0: Welcome to the Lucha Lounge Podcast. I am your host, Elijah Kang, a sound designer by day, but by night, I am a pro wrestling connoisseur, the proud owner of Two Cats, and the host of this, the Lucha Lounge Podcast. This podcast is all about giving uncommon people a platform to share their ideas and stories with all of you. So thanks for listening. Here we go. The guest on the 37th episode of the Lucha Lounge podcast is a guitarist and bassist for some of the most popular music acts in the DMV. We talk all about his transition from hip-hop producer to live musician, how a reggae band gave him his first big break, and how the gym helps him to continually tackle difficult challenges without the fear of failure. So without any further delay, please welcome my guest, one of the best musicians in the DMV, Julian Lofton. Boom. And we're live with Julian Lofton, guitarist, multi-instrumentalist. That's me. Yeah, man. Welcome to the Lucha Lounge Podcast.
1: Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, man.
0: I'm really happy too because um most of the people that come here are from reference. Like someone has told them that they should be on here, so I reach out. Right. Um, and our mutual friend, uh Haley Fahey, <laughs> yeah, recommended that you, you know, that I reach out to you. And here you are. Um, you play Guitar for Haley.
1: Yes, I play guitar for Haley or bass, just depending on the lineup that she wants for a particular gig.
0: Mm. Yeah, man, I am really excited to talk to you. You have a, I mean, you know, we're just catching up a little bit downstairs before the podcast. And um, yeah, man, you got a lot of interesting stuff to say. So we're <laughs> going to get into it. But before we get all into that and guitars and, you know, the gym and all that stuff, because, like you that. know, got to talk about that. Right? <laughs> you got to. Um, let's just rewind everything back to the beginning. Right? Sure. Uh, how'd you get into music and how'd you get into playing the guitar?
1: Oh man. Um well I will say that I was very fortunate. My parents kind of gave me a lot of opportunities to figure out what it was that I was interested in. So at first they thought I might be interested in sports and I was horrible. Um really? they put me in soccer. As a goalie, I was horrendous.
0: Well, you got the body for it, man. You're so now windy. I do. Now, <laughs> now, I, now I do. I do. <laughs>
1: but uh, back then, uh, I wasn't doing so hot. So, mm. uh, um, they tried soccer. Really wasn't for me. Karate, basketball, all these things. I was like okay at when I started, but it just uh-huh. nothing really sunk in. Sure. Um, and then one day they just introduced me to the piano. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't something I didn't really like the sound that was coming out of it. You know, huh. I enjoyed the music. I loved that. I could create something, but they put me in a couple piano lessons, did a couple recitals, nothing big. Right. Um, I started trumpet in the fourth grade Whoa. and that was when,
0: <laughs> so we're talking like elementary, school. elementary school. Okay. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. So, um, I started trumpet and that was something that like my band teacher was like, you're going to be great at this. And I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be so awesome. And, um, It was that classic um, dichotomy between talent and work. Mm. I think because I started very good at trumpet, I didn't appreciate it very much. But um, a couple years into playing the trumpet, and I was like, mom and dad, I need a guitar. Oh, man. (laughs) And they did not want to get it for me. Um, Really? No, no. I mean—
0: did your par- were your parents musicians or anything at all? And like, no. what? Why? Why the trumpet? That's so loud! Like, right? <laughs> you know, if I was, if I was, you know, my parents, you know, pushed me into like violin, you know, all the right. Asian instruments, mm-hmm. piano, violin, and <laughs> yep. stuff like that. Yeah, um, that I can kind of understand. But trumpet is brass is loud. Exactly.
1: Man. I don't know why they would have wished that pain on themselves, <laughs> but uh, they uh, they wanted me to practice and all that kind of stuff, and I did fine in mm-hmm. like you know the concert band and whatnot. Yeah, but um. I really, really wanted to play the guitar, and after begging forever, um, I got my first guitar, I guess, just before middle school or so, and um, it was...
0: Do you remember the kind of guitar it was?
1: Oh, it was a Fender Squire, Squire. Strat, the classic. Was it Red? No, it was black. Unfortunately, (laughs) I wanted the red one, but we ended up getting the black one with the kit and the 15 watt amp and the little DVD. Comes
0: with the cable and the (laughs) picks, everything you need. And that horrible gig bag. (laughs) Oh yeah, oh
1: yeah. And I will tell you, I was horrible at that instrument. No, absolutely. Um, But that's why I kept playing it. Mm. And um, over time, you know, I kept playing trumpet through high school, and I would just never practice because March. I did. I did marching band all four years in high school. I was the drum major for the last two years. Oh, nice. Um, But something about just walking into an instrument, it just never felt like my own because I was so good at it when I started Mm. that I never felt like I needed to get any better. And it was really unfortunate because when it came to college, I just kind of dropped it. Mm. But that whole time I'd been playing guitar kind of on my own time. You know, my parents didn't really want me to because it's not really something you could put on your, you know, college applications yeah there's no
0: <laughs> well i mean they're my my the guitarist that i played with um in boston he was in marching band and he mm-hmm. played sax in in high school but then he also played electric guitar because he was yep. a virtuoso at that too oh. so they he they one guy in the band his job was to march with his amp <laughs> and he would play electric and then switch to saxophone there's videos of oh him. that's amazing yeah it's crazy yeah. um the, the story about the trumpet reminds me of something too. And I know this isn't about me, but I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Um, when I was at Berkeley, I met a guy named Jay Korean guy and he was like a classically trained guitarist. Like he mm-hmm. was good. He had chops. Like when I went to Berkeley, my chops were like mediocre. And when <laughs> I left, I was better than most. Uh, this guy came in and his chops were already pro level. Yeah. Um, but he developed something with his hand. I don't know if it was carpal tunnel or something. Mm-hmm. So he, mid mid Berkeley, right. he had to get surgery on his hand, and he Oof. had to switch instruments, and My he goodness. switched to trumpet. What? Because he could play it with one hand. Yep. Um, and I. And then when he left, he was you know he was leading all the jazz ensembles on trumpet, and I was like, that's that's crazy.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah. And he's, in that
1: short amount of time.
0: Yeah. Wow. And he, I was like, dude, have you ever played trumpet before? He's like, no. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's different breed. Right, yeah. for sure, yeah. for sure. So that's crazy. But it was like the opposite for exactly. you. exactly. Yeah, you're just getting after guitar because you weren't, you know, it, it wasn't as easy for you. Exactly. That's awesome, exactly.
1: I I think the big thing that's propelled me through my musical career is I kind of search for the thing that's tough. And if I can fall in love with getting better at it, then the sky's the limit, you know? And I think I never fell in love with getting better at trumpet. So I enjoyed, you know, playing in jazz band and getting all the solos and that kind of stuff. But I couldn't sit in my room and practice the trumpet for hours. It might have something to do with how loud it yeah, was. Yeah. But <laughs> you got to get the mute. <laughs> right? But with guitar, man, I could I would go home straight after school, skip doing homework and just play yeah. for hours and hours and hours. I had these little... uh these little backing tracks that I would play oh, with. Yeah. And...
0: <laughs> band in a box. Oh my God. You're talking about band in a box?
1: You know what I would do? This is semi-legal, but um there was a uh there was a computer software. There was it was basically someone had ripped Guitar Hero into a game you could play on your computer mm. using your um Using your computer keyboard as the guitar <laughs> controller. You'd flip it upside down. you use the function keys for oh. the frets and the space bar or enter to play That's crazy. the actual notes. But in order to make it work, they had to rip all of the Guitar Hero songs.
0: Oh, into separate tracks.
1: Exactly. Oh. So I downloaded that, stole all the audio from it. And I had all these OGG files that I could, you know.
0: Yeah, just play on. Play along yeah. to
1: because all the good. Guitar Hero tracks are just songs with the guitar cut out. Yeah. So I got to play Guitar Hero with my own guitar. Whoa. This was before, like you know, all those you know,
0: Rocksmith, Rocksmith, and and all that kind of stuff
1: came out. But I was pretty much doing that on my own, just kind of learning everything by ear. And that, boy, that was all of my high school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy, man. I mean, like, I we definitely we grew up in different generations. I know you just turned twenty five. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I remember we we would have to get these cds called band in a box and they were cds of you know just instrumentals without the lead right yeah and then that that would be how you would practice and then later on you know ultimate oh appeared oh, and then yeah. we we're like oh, tablature <laughs> i never really i mean like i learned some stuff from tabs but like that wasn't the numbers thing like I oh, didn't, yeah. yeah and then like like 70% of them were wrong. You know, it was just some, like, drunk guy in his room, like, this is the official tab. And I was like, no, it's not.
1: It hasn't gotten any better. No, man. Those tabs are horrible. And a lot of times, I, I got to learn them on the fly, right? You know, oh, someone yeah, will be like, right. hey, can you play this song? Pull it up on my phone, look at the chords.
0: That doesn't seem yeah. right. Because I'm hearing it in my
1: head, and I'm like, oh, I know that's not the right chord. Right, right. But
0: we also used to get um guitar player magazine and they used to have the the tab section in the back man. Oh, man yeah like but you know this this comes up on the podcast you know once in a while but like you know kids that are growing up in this age they should jump on youtube and yeah. find out how to do anything
1: exactly like that it's it's crazy i don't know if it's a good or a bad thing i i feel like the the search for knowledge was almost as like Half rewarding yeah, as yeah exactly. you know as, as getting yeah. it back then you're like wow i just went through all of this and now i can play you know iron man as yeah. if i'm the guitarist right you know
0: but like they don't have to like reverse engineer the software right. from the guitar hero <laughs> exactly. game and do all that yeah. they just type in you know iron man backing track and like a thousand of them exactly will yeah that's crazy man <laughs> And so no, no formal training on the guitar. Yeah. It's all self taught
1: I had, I had one guitar lesson and I didn't like it at all. Mm. Um, it, I'm sure if I had a better guitar teacher, mm. I may have enjoyed it more, but it was the typical, you know, you go to the, you know, guitar store and they have, oh, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. like, um, you know, some kind of, you know, lessons that they give in the back. And it just wasn't very interesting to me. Mm. I... From day one, I just wanted to rock. I didn't want to learn how to play, you know, old Lang Syne and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah,
0: like, this is how you play Mary Had a Little lamb. Like, I was nah. like, come on, man. Nah, teach me how to play <laughs> Iron Man. Um, yeah, um, but it's it's crazy how how important that initial introduction is, you oh, know? Yeah. If you jump onto an instrument that that you're you're new at mm-hmm. the music that comes out of it needs to resonate with the player or oh, else yeah. you're just it's never gonna be your thing oh yeah and so to reject you know the old lang <laughs> types of lessons that was the play for you for sure
1: oh yeah oh yeah and now that said of course you know when i first started my technique was horrible oh yeah um but In time, as I started to learn the songs that I really wanted to play, Mm. I would get, I would be pretty critical of myself and say, you know, this doesn't sound like I want it to sound.
0: It doesn't sound like the record. Yeah.
1: How can I make it sound better? Maybe I should start using my pinky, you know? (laughs) And, you know, it's all these, you know, bad habits that you pick up because no one tells you any better. But for me, over time, you know, a little bit of research and also just kind of listening to how I sound versus how I want to sound kind of got me at least in the direction of where I wanted to be.
0: Well, I think that's, you know, that's such an important um, asset for musicians to have is to listen. Oh, yeah. You know, listen first. Oh, yeah. And listen to yourself first. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. man. You know, some people some people think their shit don't stink, but mm-hmm. you're like, oh, man, you hear them play live and you're like, yeesh. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, we're, we're talking downstairs and um, we're talking about how... You have a nine to five, yeah, and that you're pursuing music not I, I don't like to say on the side, but in parallel,
1: right, right
0: yeah so what's that like, man?
1: It's difficult to explain mm. to, to people because many people just kind of pick the thing that they're gonna do and then they pick their hobby right um for me, I wouldn't call either my hobby, you know I nine to five I work as a controls engineer. Um, so that's very kind of high stakes programming for industrial systems. Um, and then when I'm off work, it's time to rock, you know. And so it's an interesting line to walk because many people at work don't really relate to, yeah, I might be coming in on Tuesday a little late if I had a gig until mm. 2 a.m. on Monday, you know. Right. Um They also don't quite understand, you know, the relationship between, you know, practice and performance and all the kind of stressors that that go on with it. Then on the other side, you know, being a musician, you can't really relate to, you know, it's hard to find people who also relate to how stressful work can be in my industry, at least. So um, it's a it's a little lonely, but the pros definitely outweigh the cons Hmm. in that um, I have the ability to pursue music on my own terms. I can take the gigs that I want to take and you know maybe not take the gigs that don't seem too interesting to me. So I kind of get to pursue all the different avenues of music that I want to without having to feel like I have to play a certain gig just to get my bills paid. And that is truly a blessing for me.
0: Like really freeing. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I and I think I think people need to understand that just because you have a 9 to 5 doesn't diminish your, your pursuing of music. You know what exactly. I mean? It, it doesn't make it any less important. It's just as, if not more important. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, and it, it's not just a hobby just because right. you have a nine-to-five. Right. It's not, like, something that you do on the side. You're taking it very seriously. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, uh, I've been following you. Um, you're always gigging. You know, <laughs> you're playing with some <laughs> of the best musicians in this area. Um, and so... You know, it is just as serious, if not more serious, than someone that has made the the romantic decision of I'm quitting my job right. to just do music. Right. But then, like we were saying, you know, if you do that, there's another set of pressure of uh, how am I going to pay my bills with? Right. Then you have to take every gig.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And you have to approach music in in a more professional light. And Professional, of course, a broad term, but in the sense of, you know, your music is your job. Mm. So you have to conduct yourself accordingly. And I I really embrace kind of the freedom that comes with, hey, you know, I do it because I love it. Mm. Doesn't make it any less, you know, professional, doesn't diminish the quality of the work that I bring, but I'm only in it because I enjoy it. Right. You know?
0: And then... You know, if it does become an obligation, that's probably when you're going to be like, I don't know. If I'm right. Like, yeah.
1: And, and the beauty of it for me, in the nature of my work, um, if I ever really, really needed to, I could take six months off of my job and then walk right back afterwards. Mm. So there's still the possibility that, you know, one of the bands that I play for one day says, hey, we want to do a to tour. tour. And I can say, OK, cool. No problem. Mm. Talk to the guys at work, work something out, and then the balance still gets restored, you know? Right, right. So um, it's, it's a tough balance to strike, but I've been very lucky, I would say, that I, I kind of have a, a career that gives me flexibility and also my other career, right, right. <laughs> which also gives me flexibility. Yeah, so right. they kind of work well together.
0: Yeah, and it's, like, the way that you're describing it is, like, a very symbiotic relationship. Right. You know, it's... Neither one is, like, taking away from the other. It's, you know, helping to build up what you've been doing. Um, Did you have, like, a point, like, a tipping point in your life where you're like, you know what? I am going to start doing music seriously. (laughs) Because, like, every, every person that has picked up the guitar and has, you know, transitioned from bedroom rock star to actually playing live that's like a very big jump oh yeah oh, so yeah. what what pushed you
1: it was the craziest thing i all through college i was an aspiring producer and rapper you will never find my mixtape i have scrubbed it from all the corners of the internet but
0: <laughs> towards the end it. oh no no you will never find
1: it you'll never find
0: well, it. what was your rap name bro
1: it was it was jj beats
0: <laughs> powerful
1: jj beats <laughs>
0: oh man oh man it was it's okay dude we we've all had the cringy moment oh yeah yeah it
1: was very cringy yeah. um but i met a lot of people through you know being an aspiring producer and sure. i used to do a lot of you know guitar studio work mm-hmm. um and one of the producers that i would work with and i would always lay down guitar on his on his tracks great friend of mine he goes by potzi major He, one day, um, it was around my 21st birthday, he just asked me, he said, hey, when do you turn in 21? I was like, "Mm, a couple weeks. And he's like, well, once you're 21, there's a band that's playing out that needs a new guitarist. I want to bring you in for an audition. And I was like, okay. All of my hardware, all all of my gear as a guitarist was garbage. I was running with a Digitech 255. No. No amp.
0: Digitech.
1: Had a um, a Washburn, like, custom guitar that had been gutted to have effects on board, which was super cool for playing in your bedroom. Yeah. Not gig-worthy at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I went to that audition, and it was for a reggae band. I knew absolutely nothing about reggae. Nothing. <laughs> all I knew was the pentatonic scale, mm. and I'd been playing jazz in, in high school enough, so, you know, I know how to, like, solo and everything.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But for some reason, I got the part. I have no idea why. To be perfectly honest, it must have been my enthusiasm because <laughs> stage look, presence, man—the
0: look is important.
1: Exactly. So, um, so I'll never forget it. Uh, basically, as soon as as soon as I finished, he just played a couple of his tracks, and I just soloed over them. Mm-hmm. And he said, "You sound nice. All right, here's a set list for shows on Friday." <laughs> And Shows was on Friday. <laughs> it was no fewer than I think 30 songs or something. Mm. Maybe 30 or 50 songs. And the way that he ran the band is that he could pull at any time. Yeah. You know, any song. Well, now, if it is
0: like a three hour gig, then you need at least at least. Exactly. That much, yeah.
1: Exactly. So he he basically gave me that. I maybe had less than a week to prepare all of it. So I was sitting at work, you know, uh, pulling up YouTube videos, you know, trying to figure out the course for everything, man. I showed up to that first gig, and I had a sheet of paper with the set list and all the chords next to it, and um, it was at the Silver Spring Annual Ethiopian Festival. It was massive. (laughs) Massive. And I'm coming up on stage, no amp, Digitech 255. Damn. And... And I somehow got through that gig. I mean, I felt like a rock star, like Mm. a real, real rock star, because all the bands I played for up until that point, you know,
0: garage garage, you know, exactly.
1: Um, But this was the real deal. Mm. And I'm on stage with incredible musicians. And for some reason, they didn't kick me off. (laughs) So I kind of caught the bug. I really just wanted to get to the point where I could stand and feel like I was worthy of being on that stage. Mm. So what followed was, I mean, I played reggae gigs through college for the next, I guess, year year and a half um, through college every weekend. Whoa. Um, Friday, Saturday, reggae gigs. And by the end of my stint with the reggae man, which kind of went on a couple years after college, I had amassed probably a set list of maybe 250 songs. Man, and I could just at any point you call a song, I got it. Whoa! And of course, with all that time and the money coming in, you know, I upgrade my gear, and I just kind of grew with it, you know. But the biggest thing was is like I just I stepped onto the onto the stage, and for the first time, I was the absolute worst person on (laughs) there, like no doubt whatsoever. But for some reason, you know, they believed in me, and like Hmm. that that kind of pushed me to continue that same train, and that I mean, honestly, I do the same thing today. You know, every now and again, someone will call me and say, "Hey, you know." Perfect example. Haley asked me after knowing that I'm a guitarist. Of course, she said, "Hey, um, can you play bass for my band?" I was like, um, "Sure, I just need to learn how to play bass," <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Right, and you know, now I do. I do like bass backing vocals, and man, it's it. All of that just comes from my desire to just be as great as I can be. Mm. Um, on stage, but it all started with, for some reason, that band, that one guy, man. I, I have to this day, I have no idea why he let me in that band.
0: Hey, <laughs> that guy, man, you should, you should buy him a cake or something. Oh, like. Believe me. Yeah, I mean, he started it all. He it, really it, did. It's crazy how certain moments in your life, like that, it it dictates everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a couple points in my life where I was like, if this pans out. That's it. Like oh, this yeah. is the way that we are going, and oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's incredible that that happened to you, and that it's it's put you on this trajectory. And I mean, like, sky's the limit now. I Absolutely, mean, yeah. Or else, if that didn't happen, could still be JJ Beats, oh, bro. Lord, you could have been, you could have been <laughs> the best SoundCloud rapper ever. <laughs>
1: I wouldn't say the best.
0: <laughs> a, you could have been a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, oh I mean, you, you mentioned the guy. Uh, what, what was his name, the guy that put you onto it? So, Potsy Major. Potsy Great Major. friend of mine.
1: Um, he used to play for I&I. That was his, like, main band back in the day. Mm-hmm. And now he's, you know, just like me, professional musician. He's He's been playing on WUSA 9, like, all the time.
0: Whoa.
1: I, I'm like, good morning, America. Like, he, he just, you know, posts on Facebook, hey, you know,
0: By the way, tune I'm in. Here. I'm like, what? How? What? <laughs> It's the hustle, man. Exactly. Yeah. Early. Early bird gets the worm. I'm. Oh, I'm. Man. Um. Last night, I was I was talking to a uh, an artist, and um one of the one of the craziest things about him powerful um Tomcat twenty three on Instagram, mm-hmm. but um he was saying like because he he'll put out a new piece of art or maybe two or three a day, Jeez. like he it's crazy and yeah. it's all like really great stuff. I'll show you later. Um, but he said, "The guy that puts out something first usually wins." Yeah, you know what yep. I mean. It as long as it's shiny enough. He always he has this concept about shiny things. <laughs> if it's shiny enough, yeah, that wins. Like so, if you could spend ten hours, you know, perfecting the the solo and like really mastering the craft, but if you're not up right grabbing these gigs, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: what's what's actually interesting? It, it's funny that you bring that up because. For me the the big switch for me was going from production which is spending hours upon hours upon hours slaving over a record to live performance and for me that was a huge jump but once I was doing it I realized like that's what I needed to be doing mm. because what I would do when I was producing is I would I would try so hard to like capture you know my emotions my feelings into the record and you can just do that on stage. You can make people feel how you feel when you're on stage. And honestly, I think not to diminish, you know, my skills as a musician, but I think that's what's propelled me mostly through my career. I mm-hmm. hear that it's the enthusiasm, it's the excitement that I have for music because I don't step on stage unless I feel it, right. you know. And and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a folk band or a reggae band or a hard rock band, but I feel every note that I play. And that's that's why I'm a live musician now and I'm unfortunately no longer JJ Beats.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you still do studio work. I know you recorded with Haley Faye. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. I'll 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 for sure, you know, do like studio recording. Like mm-hmm. I'll I'll lay down some tracks for sure, but I've definitely hung up my uh my producer chops, at least for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah. Well that's that's kind of the that that was that was kind of the struggle that I kind of went through as I was um You know, learning my chops to being a mix engineer. Mm -hmm. And I found that the sweet spot for me was recording live to two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you can get a great band to play live to two with very minimal overdubs, usually you got to get vocals in there. Um, But if you can do that, that really captures the magic. Oh, yeah. Um, But, yeah, being on stage, though, is, you know, I've had my own experience with that. That is an irreplaceable experience that that rush of endorphins and adrenaline oh yeah yeah it's crazy and then like you know two hour set goes by like that you're like so cathartic (laughs) exactly exactly that's crazy man well let's get into a little bit about guitar so you play gibsons too Ah, Just something like, like that. Yep. Me. <laughs> yep,
1: yep, yep.
0: Why? Um, Why Gibson? Why not the 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 Black Squire strap? Oh lord. <laughs>
1: um well, so something about the neck and mm. the Do you
0: have a 60s or a 70s?
1: So what's interesting is that my guitars are not real Gibsons at oh. all. Not at all. They're uh they're Agiles, which are I think it's a New Jersey based company. Okay. They make LP copies. Mm. I had never heard of them before until I took a jazz combo gig actually how i met potsy the guy i was talking about before um and on one of the rehearsals i just didn't feel like lugging my rig around you know one of the musicians said hey you can play mine no problem cool put that guitar in my hands i was like i instantly just played better and i was Mm -hmm. like i don't understand how that's possible it's just a guitar you know but something about the way that the neck is Mm -hmm. i've played gibson's yeah i just don't own gibson's Mm -hmm. The way that they make the necks on these agiles, it's something that I just can't get away from anymore.
0: Whoa. <laughs> it's
1: I don't know how to describe it. It's mm. it's just something about the neck shape just really works with my hands.
0: Yeah. And one, one of the things, because I, I played strats too, and then when I was playing a lot of metal gigs, I had a ESP like Alexi Leho custom, the mm. V guitar with oh, yeah. pink. And you know, I, I had a couple of Jacksons and I actually had a Gibson one 137 custom. Mm. Um Semi Hollow Body. Nice. I, I sold that almost yeah. immediately. Uh, <laughs> that was a bad decision. Yeah. But the the Les Paul in the corner over there, I bought that, you know, when I was in college, I put my financial aid <laughs> check. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought this, you know, because because Zach Wilde played Les Pauls. Yeah. So I had to, and Slash, another oh, yeah. favorite of mine had Les Paul, So I was just, you know, brand whore. Yep. I got to get one too. Found the Honey Burst, got that. But... <laughs> One thing I do like about the Les Paul is like, it's so heavy. Yes, that you feel like you have something substantial. Yeah, and you know the weight adds to resonance and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, man, some it, it is funny. Like sometimes when you pick up an instrument, you're like, oh, this one is special. Yeah, and that's why certain guitars cost ten thousand dollars and some cost a hundred dollars. Exactly. Yeah, people don't really understand yeah. that. There's there's a little juju with oh, certain yeah. instruments, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. No doubt. And something about, of course, you know, the, the humbuckers and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Even if I were to go, you know, Fender or, you know, I've been looking at the Fender tellies with the dual humbuckers. Mm, yeah. The coil taps. I've been looking at those because I I, I can't play anything that doesn't have a humbucker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's too light. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's too light, know? man. Yeah. 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 Once you get the, the warmth out of a... Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And like you know, with the Les Paul, with the it's a, it's a true cutoff, mm-hmm. so you can really select you yes. know, either or. But with a five way, you mm-hmm. always have a blend. Exactly. Yeah. Well, pretty nerdy right now. So, <laughs> so what's your what's your uh, the rest of your rig look like?
1: So, because I play for so many different bands, I have I have actually like different full rigs that I'll bring out. So, oh, nice. um, so I guess start with the pedal board. So I have a like. Rock big stage pedal board and a like, you know, small stage slash like reggae pedal board. So, um, I actually got to test out my small stage reggae one last night. Oh, nice. Um, played at, in Bethesda at like their summer concert series. Oh, cool. Oh, man. It was a great show. Um, but that one is real minimal. All I got is a, um, the Electro Cockfight. It's a, uh, it's a WA mm-hmm. that has, fuzz built in Whoa. and you can uh, you can basically bias the amount of wah to give you more low or more high it's so configurable it's nuts huh. it's I would say the construction isn't the best I've had it like fix it a couple times mm. but the amount of control that they give you over a wah is Outstanding!
0: Oh, that's crazy. Um,
1: I got that going into just a simple compressor because with reggae, yeah, you don't have a compressor man. Yeah, <laughs> your over. sound man's gonna hate you. Yeah. Um, and then I have uh two expressive pedals. They're the um I forgot who makes them. Ernie Ball. Mm-hmm. So I have the Ernie Ball Expression Overdrive and the uh, Expression Reverb Delay. Oh. Really, really cool because you basically set, you know, it's its modulating. So you can crank it all the way up or go halfway and all that kind of stuff. It really gives you the ability to get a lot more dynamics out of your solos if you want to. You can start kind of quiet or even start clean mm-hmm. and ease your way into yeah. just like a rocking, like, you know, distorted tone. Cool. So I love that rig um, and <laughs> the rig that I love a little more is I have, um, I just finally pulled the trigger on the Excel Audio FX22. Mm. What that is, is a pedal board loop switcher. So instead of running all of your pedals in series, you run them in parallel. So your board has an interface where every pedal has an in and an out. You turn all your pedals on and you program, you know, Four settings per, you know, um, per, I guess.
0: Like grouping.
1: Per grouping. And then you got like 10 groupings or so. And whenever you hit one, it'll choose between any of your eight pedals in any combination that you want.
0: It's almost like bus switching.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Whoa. So it's fully programmable. And what that lets me do is for like for my rock gigs, I can switch from, you know, flanger, light overdrive with like a little bit of reverb Uh to, you know, double overdrives, you know. Like, you can do anything with that stuff at the press of a button. You don't have to do the old... Tap dance? You don't have to do the tap dance because, man, that was really annoying the hell out of me.
0: And you have to, like, for people that don't know, like, if you have like a really elaborate pedal board, the guy that I used to play with had no less than, out in LA, he had no less than Maybe fifteen. He had a huge custom built yeah. thing, and that's practice. It's almost oh, like yeah. dancing, like because you have to change the settings on the fly, yep. right before your solo and stuff like that. And you can't be clicking into it while exactly. you hit it. So it's it's that dance is is really something. That's why I kept my pedal board, you know, like right. five or less. Right, <laughs> but right. It is. Yeah, that that's huge, though. Yeah, if it's, you can group things, and then plus, then you just have to take one one exactly. pedal board to exactly. you know like three different types of gigs
1: and that's wow. that's kind of been my approach these days i'm i'm trying to basically make my rig as configurable as possible mm, like modular so, almost exactly yeah. exactly so i got two different pedal boards and then um i currently use the fender mustang gt mm-hmm. it's a solid state amp but what i love about it is that it is it's got as many settings as you want And you can, you know, model whatever amps you want. Most of the amps on that thing are crap. But... but
0: the good thing about solid state is that it is always clean. Exactly. Super clean.
1: Exactly. So all I really use it for is the Fender, you know...
0: Twin reverb Twin
1: reverb sound. (laughs) sound. Clean. And then I run all the, you know, effects through my effects pedals. Mm. And I have probably somewhere on the order of like 15 settings for like each band that i play for based on whether it's going to be like a duo gig or like whatever so the way that it is now is i literally just when i whenever it's time for a gig i just pick it's kind of like mission impossible style i'm like hmm who am i gonna bring today i'll bring (laughs) this 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 and
0: that's super cool yeah man stuff like that didn't really exist i'm sure up until pretty recently unless you were unless you had like a rack you know, rack mounted gig, then you could like save a bunch of stuff. But it it is pretty cool that like, yeah, like I've always been like a full analog Mm
1: -hmm. guy.
0: Like I want all my stuff to be full analog and true bypass. Right. And then go straight into a Marshall 800 Mm or I had a TSL-122, like all those, you know, high gain, you know, tube amps. Oh, yeah. But these days, I mean, like I don't have an amp anymore. And I just use Universal Audio amp model, modeling, right, dude? It's you cannot tell the difference. It gets the job done. You can't. No, it's like in the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning you know, like when Line Six started coming out with their modeling stuff, <laughs> oh, and you're yeah. like, "Oh man, <laughs> yeah. I can totally tell the difference, right?" Oh yeah. Now, if you get like a like a like a Marshall Plexi model on Universal Audio stuff, mm-hmm. it is. You cannot tell the difference, they copy it exactly. Oh, yeah, and it's yeah, man. And like I tell this story sometimes, but um, I take like George Massenberg, he's uh kind of like the godfather of modern engineering, sound mm-hmm. engineering. He invented the parametric EQ, Sheesh. um, yeah. So I ran a session with him, and he was telling me how he's gonna stop making all hardware gear pretty soon and what? just all all plugins because the technology has come to a place where there's no latency. Yep. Like even right now I could run, you know, full maybe 32 channels out of, out of here. And mm-hmm. I mean, not that we have the space for that, but right. like there would be no latency. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the processing is, is there. So, and there's just the, the difference is imperceptible. Oh yeah. And actually he was saying like gear breaks down. Oh yeah. You know, knobs break down. Like mm-hmm. you have to clean, Coil, uh, not coil taps, but clean uh, potentiometers. Yep. With a plug-in, you don't have to. And I was nope. like, oh my gosh, this guy's like 10 steps into the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, So you mentioned all these different pedal boards or loadouts, if yeah. you will, right? Yeah. For different bands. Who are the bands that you're playing with right now? I know Haley Fahey is one, you know, our favorite, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I currently play for Haley. Um I play, you know, guitar on the, you know, uh, duo gigs and I play bass for the full band stuff. Mm. So definitely keeps me fresh on both those instruments.
0: You're uh. you're in the music video. Yeah. Back <laughs> well, that to the was ocean. Awesome. Powerful back to the ocean. That
1: was awesome. Yeah. I had such a great time with that yeah. one. Um, and then I also currently, every now and again, I play bass for Eli Lev mm. um, and then Up maybe in a month or so, I'll be playing lead guitar for Elizabeth II. Powerful Elizabeth II. I am II. so excited for that, man.
0: She is one of the coolest people I've met. She has like a weird, spooky aura. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But she's so cool. She's awesome. And she has
1: chops I, I don't even know if you can encapsulate her master of that instrument into a word. It's ridiculous <laughs> it's
0: crazy because like you you think i mean because her records are hard rock records mm-hmm. um she takes like you know like um she takes solos like virtuoso solos right yeah. but she also has jazz chops blues, blues chops chops. Yep. yeah she's very versatile very much like yourself actually <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you're very you got the reggae side the funk oh, yeah. side and all oh, that yeah. stuff yeah Aww. that's crazy and um, I, I saw on uh, on uh, Instagram that you have, uh, like, a jam session called uh, the So What Sessions.
1: Oh, yeah. So I, I started that um, basically in my jam space at my house because I kind of hit a point where I was playing out so much. And all all I was doing with my instrument was learning songs and playing gigs. And I got to a point where I was like, man, I really wish just, like, I could just sit down with just a bunch of musicians and just play Mm. just play for fun for for no reason other than I just like to play music and it I had not had a chance to do that since you know years ago when it was just me and like my buddies who were all hobbyists Mm. but imagine if you could do that with the professional musicians that you know the guys who are
0: really really sick
1: and you could get them all in the room together and say hey you know just turn your brain off let's yeah. just make music. Yeah. We're not here to create a band, we're not here to cut a record. Just play something, mess up a couple times, yeah. you know, have some fun. So I started that, I guess a couple months ago, and it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun because because in this, you know, in this area, as a musician, I do it because I love it. A lot of the people I play with are my friends first, you mm-hmm. know. So it's it's really nice just to Call people up and say, hey, what are you doing tonight? Nothing? Come Let's just over. jam. Yeah. Uh, the, the last one was my favorite because uh, Haley and I had a gig out in uh, Baltimore at Johns Hopkins and um, a tornado hit. <laughs> <laughs> so I drove all the way out there because I was coming straight from work. And I'm like, there's no way yeah. that this gig is going to actually happen. And they ended up canceling it. But by that time, we were all out of our houses right. and all in, like, different places along the way.
0: With the instruments and in tow exactly. and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So on my way back, I was like, you know what? I had plans today. I don't have plans today anymore. Let's see what everybody's up to. So yeah. I just made some calls. And, and we all got together, cracked open a couple beers, and got to just jam out. It was... It turned the whole night around for all of us, you Mm -hmm. know. Because there's nothing worse than like when you're ready to go out and play a show, and then it's like, oh yeah, no show today.
0: And you're like, you have all this pent up. (laughs) Exactly. You You got stuff. You know. Got to get it off your chest. Exactly. So, um, man, that's 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 a real necessary thing, though. You know what I mean? Because no matter how much you love something, right? uh, There is a sense of obligation, especially for you who you're playing. For lack of better words, you know, someone else's songs. So right. you have to learn the parts. You yep. have to, you know, act a certain way. Mm-hmm. The whole stage presence thing. Exactly. And playing live, it's, you know, physically strenuous too. I mean, you're standing up for that long, rocking out, that burns calories. And oh, so, yeah. so it's work. Let's, you know, it's work. So it is cool that you've found something where it's just play. Exactly. You know, Alex Purdy, a singer-songwriter that I had on here recently, she says, you know. I like to play like a kid. Yeah. And something about that statement always resonated with me. I was like, yeah, I don't do enough of that. Yeah. Just play.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Without the fear of messing up, Mm -hmm. you know, you got musicians who are all high level, but you're all friends, so there's no pressure. I mean, that's beautiful, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So another thing that you're really into uh, is, and, you know, you're the first person to walk in here with a tank top. (laughs) It's hot outside, okay? It is, it is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you're also really into fitness. Yeah. So, in like, your Instagram uh, name is Guitar and Gains. <laughs> I can't ignore that. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of lifting heavy stuff. I can tell. Throwing around. Right? Um. Best compliment ever, I can
1: tell. <laughs> right.
0: Um, yeah. So, like, how... I mean, have you always been lifting?
1: No. I have not always been lifting. Um. This... It's actually kind of interesting. I found um that i have a very addictive personality so everything i do i kind of do to 150 percent if it's tv if i find a new show i like binge see ya (laughs) you might see me next week you might and that that was pretty much all of my college career i mean sure i was you know going to class and everything but a simple distraction could throw me off for like Mm. weeks i i me and my roommate downloaded like Pokemon Gold, and we did not go to class for a full couple weeks. It, it, it's like that, right, right. <laughs> but um, but amidst you know all the partying and all that kind of stuff, um, I kind of reached a point where I really needed to kind of reset, mm. like what I was about and all that kind of stuff, and um, I set foot in the gym just like any other time, but this particular time, I was really looking for kind of like purpose again. Mm. And something about there was just one particular day that I I remember vividly that I walked in and I was like, man, I suck at this, but I could probably get better. Mm. <laughs> and just like, just like all the other stuff we've been talking about. So um, the one thing that I really, really, the reason why I never really give up lifting is that the benefits are astronomical. Oh yeah! The it's not just that you know you look good; it's that you feel good. It's mm. that you can accomplish so much more in a day, and you train your mind with the level of discipline that you can approach anything with the same like mindset. You know, yeah, I could not deadlift four hundred pounds when I started lifting. But I
0: can't now. Yeah.
1: So when I go to work and somebody says, hey, I need you to do this job on a boiler. I'm like, I don't understand boilers.
0: But, but I, I could. could. Yeah. You know? And that's that's one of the things that I feel like people don't understand about the gym. In the beginning, sure, it is vanity. You know, right. you, want, you want six pack, you want big arms, right. big chest. You yeah. know, you look at Arnold um, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, yeah, you know, I want to be like that. And then you realize the amount of work Oh yeah. that, that goes into... You know, having a physique like that um, and about 90% of the people fall off right there. Absolutely. When they realize, oh, I have to go to the gym when I don't feel like it. Oh, I have to go to the gym every day. Yep. But then something clicks in your mind where like, because it's hard. Exactly. You want to do it. And uh, I feel like these days people in in this day of like instant gratification Mm -hmm. and like Horrible things like fitness tea yep. and wraps and stuff like that.
1: Six-pack shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Seven-minute abs and yep. stuff like that. It's like people are not stealing their minds to yeah. tackle difficult shit. Yep. And that's why they fall apart at the first sign of distress or yes, duress.
1: absolutely. And
0: I feel like the gym is a great place for people to learn that.
1: hundred uh, the, percent. The biggest thing that I learned from the gym, the gym is the purest. It is the absolute purest way to show yourself the impact of hard work. It is direct. You can do something that you couldn't do last week because you kept trying. And in many other cases, there's external pressures. There's, if you go up on stage and you suck, you see the way people look at you. You know, people may tell you you suck, and, and there's so much more external, but the gym is fully internal. You go there, you can't lift twenty pounds today, but you might go back in a month and you can. Yeah. And what that tells you is that you can do anything. Yeah, you, no,
0: you really can. It really is like that because, like, you know, some people lift because they 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 were like overweight and they want and stuff like that. I, that was never my issue. My issue is putting on weight. Like I'm trying to Same. make <laughs> mass. Yeah. You know. Uh, you know. Anyways, but like uh, we had like this. Fitness contest with a couple of my coworkers. We all just put in a little bit of money, and we said, "Okay, three three times a week, let's see who could get the longest, you know, the longest streak of weeks, yeah. and the winner takes the cash." Nice. And it started in, in something so innocent. So, like, we would take gym selfies to <laughs> to prove it right. in the group chat, and then, and then I realized it's not it's not that awful. No. Oh. And um, I'm at a point where you know I. I built a powerlifting gym in my basement. Nice. Yeah. So like, and that's another thing. No excuses now. Yeah. The gym is in the basement. So, you know, I I gotta go. Like I'm, I'm sacrificing a whole, whole room in my (laughs) house. But like, yeah, it, it is, you know, it is cool to see the parallel that you make with, with lifting and with music. It's difficult, but it won't be later.
1: Exactly. And I, I, pretty much bring that everywhere it's not just you know music i I bring that to work because the nature of my work is stressful um if i screw something up things hypothetically could explode um and there's not a lot of testing or prior preparation that really goes in you go in and you work with a living system and you hope it doesn't break (laughs) and that same you you have to approach it the same way you approach walking up on stage. You just know that you've prepared for this and that you'll be able to handle whatever comes your way. Hmm. Same thing happens when you're going up to do a crazy lift. Yeah. Yeah. Most people look at you when you're trying to pick up that, you know, big old deadlift yeah. and yeah. they say, Oh, is he gonna be able to lift it? I might be able to, I might not be able to, but I can handle it. Yeah. Even if I can't, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna break my back, you know? Yeah. So that that same, I guess understanding of the hard work and also believing in your ability to overcome failure is what allows me to continue to do these things that seem so disjointed but to me they're all the same you know
0: yeah it's 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 all like goal oriented almost yeah it's like challenge oriented with you yeah yeah man you and I are like the same <laughs> yeah. person. You're like the taller black version. I'm no, just kidding. Um, Not as good looking. <laughs> how dare you? How dare you coming in here with your tank top like that? Um, well, we've been talking for a minute. Uh, is there anything else that you that wanted to say or cover or anything like that? Well, I
1: think we we hit the main <laughs> points.
0: <laughs> well, just from me, um, this has been an absolute pleasure, man. Like uh, every every so often, someone walks in here. And, you know, for the most part, it's all strangers. You know, it's like friends of friends or like sometimes it's an actual stranger. Um, But sometimes a person will sit in that chair and we immediately have like a rapport, immediate click. Right. And I feel like that's happening with you. Um, You're very inspiring. Some of the stuff that you are talking about, like, you know, attacking difficult things and just, you know, keeping at it because it's hard. That's super inspiring. You're a great musician. You're very driven in that, obviously, playing with some of the top guys in our area. And uh, yeah, man, this conversation has just been a pleasure. I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Um, Yeah, man, it it was just a great time. And thank you so much for coming.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man.
0: Yeah, man, it was my pleasure. Julian Lofton, ladies and gentlemen. And there you have it. The 37th episode of the Lucha Lounge podcast is in the books. It was such a pleasure talking to Julian, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you'd like to catch up with him and see what he's up to, you can follow him on Instagram at guitarandgains. Be sure to follow him there to see who he'll be playing with next. Well, that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye.